You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always this week. We've got an industry titan in the studio. He runs the highest performing sales team in Perth these days. They've sold over 300 properties in the last 12 months. So if you can't get data and market information out of this guy, then don't bother talking to anyone else. It's my mate Rashvia Danjal from the agency. How you going? Trent, very well. How are you? I'm good. It's weird asking you how you're going because we hang out all the time, talk property, do deals, get things done and to be in this formal space having a chat. Well, it's probably fantastic because we just get to have the same chat as we always do with the microphone in front of us. No, I love it. Talking property and Perth property market, especially just trying to provide information to the public. You're doing a great job, so continue what you're doing here. I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast and get a lot of feedback from it as well on the ground. And I listen to it on a weekly basis as well. I'm always learning something new. Number one ticket holder, Rashvia Danjal. That's Mate, right. You are the king of the northeast suburbs these days. Whilst you do sell all around Perth, I think your team is most prolific, essentially along what is going to be the Allenbrook train line. Would that be right? That's correct. So that Metronet run from Malaga all the way up to Allenbrook. We're now having a lot of luck in Wellard and uh, Bertram down there as well. We've got a team member up there. And then further north as well, we've got a team. So we sell all over Perth, but essentially that corridor's core base where we started and we're replicating a lot of what we do there in those other markets. Well, well. let's detail those suburbs. We spoke about them about 16 months ago. November 22 was the last time you were in talking about those markets specifically. And we are doing suburb updates right now as the listenership has been requesting over the last few months. Today, we are talking about... Bennett Springs. Cavisham. Dayton. Brabham. They're all next to each other. Very similar markets. I don't know if you remember, we were talking about that. And I was like, look, fundamentally, these are great areas. We should get investors looking in there. Mm. For a long time, we treated them like fringe suburbs, but they're actually infill suburbs. A lot of population is starting to actually move further out than these areas. You're right. When I was a kid, Reed Highway was the boundary of Perth. If you were across Reed Highway, you were in the Swan Valley. You were in farmland. These days, that land between Reed Highway and Whiteman Park, that really is just suburbia, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And look at its drive score to the airport. We're a big mining town, very close to that, close to the city. We've also got the film studio that's there. Lots of amenity. Transport's really good from there. You can drive to any part of town. And I think for a long time, people have been sleeping on these areas, but now we can see by the results, they're very solid. Let's run through these suburbs again, if we can. Bit of background, if if you can provide for us. If you're a first-time listener, let's say coming over to Perth as an investor or a buyer, how would you differentiate these four suburbs? What Mm -hmm. makes them similar, but also what sets them apart from each other? Bennett Springs and Cavisham are much older suburbs. You've got the old part of Cavisham that's probably been here since the early 2000s. Bennett Springs started in the early 2000s as well so it was next basically we've had friends and family bought in Bennett Springs back then when I was a student I was only in Australia for a year or two we looked at it like a pile of sand who would live here you know but now you look at it's a fully established community it's really a good area. They're very similar, Bennett Springs and Cavisham. Cavisham's also performed really well. Dayton and Brabham are the new kids on the block. You go out there, you get smaller parcels of land, but much newer houses. But there's big appetite for lo- larger lots. A lot of price points. So Bennett Springs, for example, we'll start with that. The medium house price at the moment is 627, but it's probably sitting around the 670 for family homes as an average. When I came here last time, the medium house price was half a million which is very similar to Cavisham at the same. They were at 
on par with each other. So we've seen about 25% growth in the last year and a half. That's correct. 25 and Cavisham, uh, Bennett Springs this year has had 13% growth and Cavisham's had 22.5% growth. So Cavisham's seen a really good run. Why? I think people started realizing subconsciously that you go Cavisham, they think it's somewhere extremely far away. But when you drive out there, it's no difference to Beachboro. Yeah, nicer suburb. It's just next door. With the highways now, you can get there very quickly. So I think people's perceptions changed. They've realized it's actually a great suburb. The new land development there, houses are, are really specced well. They've got good estates in there. So people are going, oh, really, I need to be here. There's a shopping center there. There's a primary school as well. So I think the amenity there is really helping drive that. So you think that there's been a step change in perception of the suburb since it's starting to round out as a community? Correct. We're no longer really viewing Cavisham as a house and land suburb. It's got those options around it, like your Brabham's and Henley Brooks, for example. Yeah. Cavisham's really now starting to be looked at as a brownfield suburb that has an existing community and facilities, amenity, and therefore there's been a bit of a step change in perception of that suburb. People are starting to live there and t- telling their friends and family, it's that social proof, you know, it's like they look at each other and they look at how their the suburb's really good and they want their friends and family to live there. Uh, like I said, I've always been bullish on Cavisham and Bennett Springs again, tidily held real estate as soon as an investment property comes up it's usually purchased by a owner oc those are really good fundamentals if you have more owners wanting to own property in the area we'll always have high demand to buy in the mm. area as well when you think about long-term growth there's a very high correlation between long-term growth and protection of the downside as well with high percentages of owner occupiers in that suburb you often see a lot more volatility upwards and downwards when the suburb is filled with investors for example you're seeing as we've spoken about recently on the podcast your armadales your gosnells these sort of areas have seen massive upward volatility huge price growth in the last few years driven by investors but as i've said on the podcast many times there is also that downside risk that the second those investors come out they're not replaced by anyone really who, who wants to live there anymore or sees value in that price point that you see a lot more volatility down Downwards. So when you have a higher percentage of owner occupiers in that suburb, as you're pointing to in a place like Bennett Springs in Cavisham, it's, what it's doing is it's really bringing that downside protection into those suburbs. Where's the nest egg in the family home? Not a lot of people own five, six properties. We own properties, so we think, you know, everyone's got two, three properties, but most Australians have one home mm. or maybe two. So they'll keep their wealth in their house. Uh, it's great that there's owner rocks and it's good a good place to rent as well. But yeah, we're seeing a lot of that investment stock either being sold over east to investors that are taking on the existing tenants or they're being purchased by owner occupiers or downsizers. We'll get to that conversation. Let's confirm the difference there. Cavisham sits just south of Reed Highway. Mm-hmm. Bennett Springs just north of Reed Highway. And then how do we differentiate Brabham and Dayton to these guys? So north of Cavisham towards Ellenbrook would be Dayton. Dayton was the next suburb after Bennett Springs that got established. So that's east of Bennett Springs? Correct. Great suburb as well. It's coming together. For a long time, didn't have a lot of amenity in terms of shopping centers and bits and pieces. It was developed in a bit of a patchwork, wasn't it? And that's one yeah. thing you said in the last podcast we did about these suburbs is that places like Brabham, a bit of Bennett Springs, certainly Henleybrook will as well, has more of a master plan. And Dayton was sort of a patchwork of two hectare blocks that are all getting stitched together as the owners sell at some point. For a long time, Dayton was a preferred suburb than Brabham. And now I have to say Brabham 
a lot of people are preferring to be in Brabham because of the amenity in it. Because it's been master planned. Yes. So you've got the shopping center, you've got all these services and businesses in there. And uh, now the White Man Edge train station is also coming in there. So I think it's balanced things out because currently the medium house price in Dayton is 536 and in Brabham, it's 560. We're seeing a jostling for position. Are you suggesting that 15 years from now, we come back on this podcast if we're still doing it in 15 years? <laughs> and most likely out of the four suburbs, Cavisham will be the most valuable. Dayton will probably be the least valuable. But let's look at the city of Joondalup. Yeah. We know Pabri is more valuable than Craigie. Craigie is more valuable than Belden. You could go further north than that. Connolly is actually more valuable than any of them. It just is what it is based on the amenity of the suburb, what it offers, how it's been patched together. It's not often, not always about location. There are other amenity factors. What you're pointing to to me, if I had to synthesize what you said, is that at the end of the day, whilst Dayton's a little bit closer to the city, it's possibly not offering what Brabham is and therefore Dayton probably won't have the same growth. Yes, I think Brabham is going to outshine it and then, yeah, it'll be a difference between Bennett Springs, Caversham and Brabham. They're very similar. A lot of the buyers are now looking at all three options. Mm. Brabham's going to be the sleepy giant, I think, just because of the master plan, the amount of amenity and then the train station coming in there i wouldn't be surprised if that grows significantly more than caversham at some point maybe even bennett springs who knows when we were speaking a year and a half ago we were talking about properties that were essentially selling below replacement value at the time and that was what you were telling people on the podcast is like look guys i know it might not be the easiest sell but places like bennett springs dayton they're selling five-year-old properties that are cheaper than building again people are snapping them up it's probably worth having a look at these you know we're selling at 450 and they're moving to 500s you're now talking about mid to high sixes on these same properties. I'm sure you've got some stories, a bit of data for us to talk about similar properties that are transacting. A lot of the half a million dollar properties in Bennett Springs at the time, uh, I think the advice was go grab one if you can for half a million, pay 525, who cares, just get in the market. Now these are in the sevens. I just recently sold one on Bridgman Drive, which is about a 650 square meter, four by two with a swimming pool. Beautiful home, built 20 years ago big block when you compare to what you can buy in Brabham, for example. Yeah, big block, games room, swimming pool, well-presented home. We got 850. But a year and a half ago, we would have barely got 625 to 650 for it. Similarly, in Cavisham, a couple of weekends ago, we sold one on Lexington Promenade in the mid-8s as well. A year and a half ago, you probably pay 600 and 620,000 for that. And at the time, people were like, oh, this is a lot of money for Cavisham. It's a lot of money for Bennett Springs. Don't look back, look forward. Mm. I think in Perth, we're so used to looking through a rearview mirror and not seeing the growth ahead of us. And you look at the rest of Australia just sees a lot more value than we do. Has that dynamic had a step change in the last couple of months since about Christmas time? When you look at data coming out of Rewa CoreLogic, they're suggesting we've seen a 1.8% growth across the board in just the last two months. You extrapolate that out, we're at least looking at 10, 12% in terms of our annual growth this year, exactly what the experts were talking about. This is one of the stronger times of year. In January, February, you do often see step changes in prices. But in some suburbs, you would see 5 to 10% step change in a couple of months. Are you seeing that? We've seen it even crazy. I can give you examples. There's a couple of properties we sold a few weeks ago in Dayton. Both were purchased only four or five months ago. In one particular incident, 
they've ended up with a hundred grand in four months from five thirty to sell it for six thirty. It's crazy. Mm. Just because there's no options out there. And that talks to supply. So in a lot of suburbs right now, there are two or three properties for sale at any one point in time. If you go and search on realestate.com, 90% of the properties on that listing are under offer. And you think, oh, for God's sake, I have to filter through all this stuff, just tick the box to get rid of under offer because it's, it's just clogging up my scrolling, right? So when you look across the board in Perth right now as a bit of an update, we transacted on a thousand properties last week, a thousand and five actually. When you think about those numbers, this is still 20% higher than the mining boom numbers. They've increased from 774 weeks ago as we're coming out of Christmas. At the same time last year, though, was 990. So we are 10% stronger in demand than we were a year ago. And the amount of properties on the market is 4,100 compared to 7,300. So we have about 60% of the properties on the market than we did last year. Interesting point, though, when we came out of Christmas, we were at about 3,700 properties on the market. So we have actually ticked up 400 properties in the last couple of months. What's obviated out of that is that whilst we are buying 1,000 properties this week, 1,050 people maybe were bringing their properties to market are you starting to see that in this area that more people are finding themselves more willing to sell is investors as owner occupiers well look life gets in the way so it could be a bunch of reasons but a lot of investors are looking to offload their stock as well they've been a first-time investor for 10 years haven't seen much growth but now they see a bit of money and they'll get out of the market but look i think the stock is still an issue I'd love to sell the same house, another 10 in the suburb, because I'll have 10 offers on the table. 4,000 is nothing. A year ago was 7,000. Two years ago was 10,000. Three years ago was 12,000. Four years ago was 15,000. 4,000 is a position where a lot of people are homeless. And yep. that's not cool. Look, it's a big problem. And the other issue we've had, you know, the, we've got these first home buyers can spend up to 600000 So what it's done in the last four months is it's made those half a million dollar worth properties go to the $600,000 mark in these suburbs that I'm selling in. And what's happening is now they've all got a $600,000 budget. So the one with 20% who doesn't need LMI and has more money to put in the deal will buy it for six twenty-five, six fifty. So you've got that bell curve. We've got all these buyers sitting up to that 600000 mark. This is why places like Armadale and further out have increased in value because there's just not options out there. So people have to go to other suburbs. And if you'll notice, it was mentioned in the podcast, that pricing has really gone up as well. Yeah, it's compressed up. Yeah. When we think about your weekends, you're obviously out at home opens, selling, writing up offers. What would be the median amount of offers you're getting per property in these four suburbs right now? Look, anywhere from six to 10 offers for 30 people through the door as an average. Most First of the time weekend, you've sold by the Monday? Yeah, by Monday, Tuesday. Sometimes we'll do the Tuesday night home open as well. Because I think it's okay to sell it in the first weekend, but you just there's more money out there. We do a Sunday grand opening and then a Tuesday or a Wednesday night twilight as well. To just back to squeeze the last bit out. Yeah, you need to because there's a lot of times if you think about the demographic that lives there, one of the partners will come through, the other one needs to come through. So usually Sunday nights is another time when we're taking the uh, other partner through or the VIP buyers that have been through in the morning uh, want to jump on the negotiation table, take them through again, take them through on Monday morning, Tuesday night, you really need to compress that market because that's when you can lift the prices up. Because at the end of the day, uh, we work for the seller. Uh, our job's to uh, get as much money out of the market as possible. That's just the reality of what our fiduciary right is towards the client. Yeah, that's your job. If you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. And to be frank, it's helping the Perth property market on average. I mean, everyone who is a homeowner or an investor has nothing to complain about when prices go up. This is a problem. For years, we've complained that the Perth market is not moving. 
and look at any market if uh, it's seller's market buyer's market you someone's going to lose out on the table that's the reality of the mm. situation otherwise you get a very flat market with there's no motivation no one does anything in a market like this the only person that's losing is not the buyer it's certainly not the seller it's the person who's not either of them it's the person who's not actually paying what they have to to get on the market. The person who's not exposed to this market is the one that is losing right now. The sellers made their win that they're happy to cash out on. The buyers now got themselves on the market that is inarguably growing. And it's the person who's not exposed to this that is losing right now. Someone who's renting and doesn't have the ability to or the interest to buy. And It's a sad set of affairs out there. A lot of people are missing out begging to buy properties, they can't spend more money. It's difficult and we feel for them. It's, uh, I would hate to be buying in this market. Well, let's segue into that space. As you've just mentioned, you have five to nine people missing out every weekend on each property. You've got multiple properties on the market every weekend, right? So you're consoling 40, 50 people every weekend that they didn't get their property. I've asked this of Mark, I've asked this of Shane, of Devin, of Siobhan, what would you suggest is that hot tip you can provide to people who are the underbidders and continually the underbidders? How do they change their fortunes? Just be prepared to negotiate hard. Put your best foot forward because the last thing you wanted to do is miss out on a property and then realize it only sold for ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 more. This isn't the market to just test a low offer or not to put every dollar on the table. Put your best foot forward and then if you lose out, be comfortable with the fact that you lose out because you you couldn't afford to buy it. It's that simple. I think it's, there's a reality check there. We need people to realize that if you're not prepared, you don't have your finance in check, you don't have a, an approval re- letter, you can't demonstrate that you're willing to buy this property and pay the best price, you're just going to have to go back to the next weekend and look for another option. That lines up with a lot of the agents we've spoken to recently. I assume though there are some properties that do get through with a good enough offer without finance approval. Are you seeing much risk on the table there? Have you had many circumstances in the last, let's say three or four months, especially where the seller has accepted an offer that hasn't shown you an approval letter and actually it's fallen over? Has that happened much? You're getting issues with valuations? We get a few issues with valuations, especially uh, recently. We're getting a lot of valuations where the data isn't catching up to the growth that we're performing through a multiple offer situation. I'm getting about one a week now where we have to go back to the valuer and explain why it's worth what it is and demonstrate back to the valuer that the actual price, the market's determined it due to multiple offers. Here's how many offers we've written. But we don't have usually a lot of finance issues. We do the due diligence on the buyer heavily. We would make recommendations to the client. If you find that their file's risky or the broker is not forthcoming with any information or they can't explain how their finance is, we always ask to speak to a broker or a bank manager and see documentation, the due diligence is a must because you can't go to the seller, sit in front of them and say their finance is going to be okay without actually talking to the finance person and making a judgment call on how they answer the questions. So we have a set of questions we ask the mortgage broker or the finance specialist and we want to know how long have they been dealing with this client, have they reviewed the file properly, do they see any risks and can they tell us about their work, are they got full-time, part-time, A lot of these questions are very private, but there's ways to ask these questions to feel comfortable 
so that we can go back to the seller and say, look, we've done the due diligence. We're comfortable that you should be accepting this offer or either one of these three offers. As the price points have started to move out of first home buyer range a lot of the time in these suburbs, are you starting to see a different profile from simply affordability factors? Are these second, third home buyers coming in now? Yeah, 100%. And a lot of them have cash. So we have a lot of downsizers coming from the hills, from larger parcels of land, uh, farming, that are looking to get into Cavisham, Bennett Springs, Dayton, Brabham. They're looking for downsizing options. And when they downsize, they're downsizing $800,000 well-spec 4x2. Mm. So they're also competing with the family that's trying to buy in the area as well because they're used to having a lot more land and they want a nice house and a much newer house to retire on. We sold one property to our intercourt in Cavishan with a swimming pool. It was uh, absolute beautiful with a swimming pool in Cavishan for $950,000. We had 70 groups through it and we stopped counting how many offers. We had to just negotiate up to the top and we had a lovely family that bought this property. But they'd been on the market for two years looking for a property that suited their family and this finally came on and they went aggressively after it. East Coast buyers, we've referenced touched investors but what we haven't spoken about directly yet is the very strong connections you've got with buyers agents in the East Coast. You talk to them every day. They're obviously looking at different price points, different locations around Perth, which is why I, I believe you'd be of value to them. How many of them are still looking in that core base area of yours? They're heavily looking in there. Is it not getting too expensive for them? I think the pricing is uh, for that big four by two is out of the question for them. I wouldn't even sell it to them because they're looking at a yield play. So for them, it has to make mathematical sense to convince an investor to put so much money in there. A lot of the investors are coming through superannuation as well. So they've got to set up bear trusts, finance it in a particular way. Anything above 650 gets a bit tricky. Any property under 650, they can get you a buyer. But now they're really trying to get in that mid fives. So a lot of the small, tiny 220 square meter, three by twos with the cottage lot with the garage at the back or a single garage are now selling in the mid fives because there's heavy demand from over east for them to grab a investment property with good yield and a lot of depreciation they can use through their tax process as well. There's only so many of them in these suburbs though. I guess Brabham is a location for that. Brabham, Dayton has them, Cavisham as well, Bennett Springs as well. They're very attractive, plus Metronet's coming there. So a lot of them over east are spruiking these areas heavily and saying, get in now, get in now, get in now. Get in before the train line. Correct. I'm not a fan of selling a lot of investment properties through buyer's agents, although I do sell a lot. There has to be a balance there because we also have to take care of the people that are actually trying to live in a house here. We have a lot of owner rocks that are desperate at the moment and also feel that sellers are leaving money on the table. We need to kill this off-market thing. We need to take properties on the market. Let the market give you the best possible price for it and i think this will not be a popular statement by me but we need to kill off market because i don't think it's the best way to deliver a result maybe it was a year ago two years ago but right now right here you are making a mistake i reckon that's a pretty poignant message to leave as our last message today from the owner of the most prolific sales team in perth these days rash danjal kill off market don't sell off market if you are you're leaving money on the table mate thank you very much for coming in thanks for sharing an update on that northeast wing along the Ellenbrook train line. I believe that we're going to continue to see growth because one point we haven't spoken about here is that replacement cost, not only the time, but the cost. There's still value on the table for that established market, which is now starting to push up land prices and build prices as well. If we have another advice for everyone, 
go out there and build a house now if you can find the land because the next issue you're going to have is land shortage and the issue that we already have is the supply of builders as well, like we spoke last time. Mm. If you can grab some real estate, grab it now, get aggressive, purchase a property, because I don't see pricing slowing down in the coming years. Thanks, Rash. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!